Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. Abundantly pardoned. Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Many do not move in the confidence of a living assurance that Christ is pleading before the Father as our intercessor. Christ identified himself with our necessities. He's able to supply every peculiar need of our weakness. During his life on this earth, he took the attitude of a suppliant, an earnest petitioner, seeking at the hand of the Father a fresh supply of strength that he might be invigorated and refreshed and come forth with words of encouragement and lessons of consolation to impart to human beings. He went to his father to ask for that, didn't he? His words are to brace every soul for duty and strengthen every soul for trial. As Christ in his humanity sought strength from his father that he might be enabled to endure trial and temptation, so are we to do. We are to follow the example of the sinless Son of God daily. We need help and grace and power from the source of all power, we are to cast our helpless souls upon the one who's ready to help us in every time of need. Too often we forget the Lord. Self gives way to impulse and we lose the victories that we should gain. If we are overcome, let us not delay to repent and to accept the pardon that will place us on vantage ground. If we repent and believe, the cleansing power from God will be ours. His saving grace is freely offered. His pardon is given to all who will receive it. God will always accept confession. He will always accept confession. If the evil that has been done is repented of, our Heavenly Father makes the declaration, As I live, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked should turn from his way and live. You can find that in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. Over every sinner that repents, the angels of God rejoice with songs of joy. Not one sinner need be lost. Full and free is a gift of saving grace. Full and free. We're living in the day of preparation. We must obtain a full supply of grace from the divine storehouse. The Lord has made provision for every day's demand. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Usher. He did the timeline. And he deduced that the first day of creation was October 22, 4004 B.C. I wonder if that fits with what Ellen White said about Jesus in the wilderness at 27 A.D. When he was in the wilderness being tempted, she said that it was a little over 4,000 years since the fall of man. So that would indicate that Adam and Eve were in the garden four years before they sinned, because then time as we know it began. So 4,000, from 4,000 to 27 AD um, would be like about 4,000 years. So some, right, uh, she said a little over 4,000 years. I don't know how much over. So that's not perfect timing. It could be like, so it would have started in 3,973 AD, would have been 4,000 years to 27 AD. But a few weeks this way or that, it was a little over 4,000 years when he went into the wilderness to be tested. 
So if we add 2,000 years to 27 AD, we get 2,027. What is that about? Three and a half years from us? A little over three and a half years. Um, then it would be a little over 6,000 years at 2,027. Uh, you know, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 tells us, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. A week is six days work and one day rest, or 6,000 years of God working with sin and working with us, and 1,000 years millennium in heaven searching the books of record for the people who are not there. Revelation 20, verse 4, I'll read verse 4 and 5, tells us, I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. And of course, chapter 20 of Revelation kind of goes through the whole millennium thing and tells you exactly what happens. There's two resurrections, the resurrection of the just, the resurrection of the wicked. The just are raised at the end of the 6,000 years when Jesus comes, and at the end of that 1,000 years, uh, the next or the seventh millennium, when the um, after the judgment has been managed and they're able to give the executive judgment, that after the city comes down to the earth and those dead all the wicked dead are dead. All the wicked are dead. Every, all of them. There's nobody alive trying to get another chance. They're all dead. And they get raised. That's the second resurrection to receive their their sentence. So, judgment was given unto them for the thousand years. God will stand clear, won't he? He's, his, he's transparent and all of the things that he does, because it's not just us on this planet that care. There's all the other planets that have life that have never fallen. All of the other universes. So we're now in 2024 AD. We have very little time to prepare. We do not know the day or the hour. God himself will announce it, actually. The voice of God. There will be a special resurrection. For the Philadelphians will come up to be able to hear the voice of God and the announcement of the day and hour of Christ's coming. But Jesus said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 6, I'm going to read that for you. 1 Thessalonians 4, you can probably look it up yourself by the time I get there. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 6. That's a tiny book. There it is. Oh, 1 Thessalonians, not 2 Five, four through six. Okay. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Let us watch and be sober. Yes. And that's a really good chapter, too. I could continue reading that to good use, but... He says here, wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. So we need to be prepared. We're getting very, very close. 
We can read the signs. We can know that his coming is near, even at the door. For us, understanding our message today, that we are abundantly pardoned, that was the message we read this morning, our morning message, we're abundantly pardoned, that's critical. We must have the faith of Jesus. It's a faith that would carry us through death. And we read in Revelation that there will be those who will be beheaded because they'll refuse to take the mark of the beast. We must have the faith that would carry us through that without denying our Lord and while keeping his commandments. Revelation 14, 12 says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. We know that we are abundantly pardoned when we forsake evil ways and return unto the Lord. We can move in confidence with a living assurance that Christ is pleading his blood as our intercessor before the Father. We follow his example while here on earth. Daily we need help, grace, and power from the source of all power. Let's cast our helpless souls on him. He is our only hope. He has made provision for every day's demand. He's made provision before you even get out of bed in the morning. Give him your plans for the day. Tell him you're willing to surrender. Change your plans as it please him. We are living in the day of preparation. No one knows how much the Lord will cut short his work with righteousness or when we will breathe our last. We have no time for the false pleasures of sin. We know that the, the closing events are going to take a little time. We don't know how much. But we have very little time, brothers and sisters. It's no time to to give in to feeling tired and going to sleep or just pleasing ourselves. We've got to wake up. It matters if we want to be with Jesus for eternity and to receive that gift that he promised eternal life. There's a promise in John six forty seven that says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And what do they believe in Jesus about? That he's the only begotten Son of God. That's what John says over and over again. That's what Satan challenged him about in the desert, in the wilderness. If you are the Son of God, blah, blah, blah. That's what the Israelites got, the Pharisees got so angry about and the scribes that he claimed that he was the Son of God or equal with God. If we believe in Christ as the only begotten Son of God who gave his life for us, we believe in him, then... We will have everlasting life. So I've been reading a little trait of, about Jesus every day. And today, Desire of Ages, page 89. He never became discouraged, nor would he enter into controversy. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus, your only begotten Son. And we want to thank you, Lord, that you never condemn us. You hold out a hand to help us up. Help us, Lord, to be completely surrendered to you so that when we become sealed into our positions, fully settled so that we can never be moved, that we will never sin again at that point, that we have come along and our character has become like you, that you can trust us with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that we can finish that work that you want us to do. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining me, brothers and sisters. God bless you today. I hope you have a blessed day and walk with Jesus, trust in him, have abundant faith in him. He is mighty to save. I hope to see you in the morning.